Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Living life as a gringo Where you question where you fit And every time you mingle They say you do this with not enough that My rapping is really bad <laughs> This life as a gringo Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo I am Dramos, of course It is Thursday, so it means it's time for our Thursday Trends episode I'm flying solo on today's show I had to reschedule our guest um, The boy just got caught up You know, life just just happens sometimes and you can't get to the, the studio when you want to. So the show must go on as usual. We will uh, reschedule our guests for, for next week, but y'all stuck with me today. Uh, we're going to get into a few different things that I'm kind of, I don't, I feel like we were off if I'm not mistaken that, yeah, this entire last week. So I'm kind of backtracking. Of course, a lot of big news had broken uh, while we were away, while I was off, I should say. One of those things that was uh, was kind of a big story and affects our community in particular was uh, the Supreme Court striking down affirmative action in the case of colleges. So we're going to talk a bit about that and how it has a, a huge effect on, on people of color, Latinos uh, specifically. There's some numbers that uh, we are going to put together in a, a really great article. So we'll, we'll discuss that. We're also going to talk about the term Latinx and how there's now a new term being introduced because Latinx didn't catch on, I think, the way that people were hoping. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. We'll also talk about uh, a white man, Jonah Hill. But it's an interesting conversation. There's this whole controversy happening with him and some text messages that uh, his ex-girlfriend had leaked. And it's very like toxic and misogynistic. And I just think it's an interesting conversation to have as we're all kind of growth-minded listening to this podcast, right? The idea of some of these old-world ideas when it comes to men and the ownership that they feel like they do have over the, the women that they are dating or their partners in general, I guess you could say. So we're going to talk about that. And then on a positive side of things, man, Latin music and our artists 
just keep showing up for the community. So we're going to celebrate somebody who has uh, set a, a, a new record for the Today Show with the crowd that they brought out, just further proving our value and just how big this Latin movement is and, and how much potential we have to keep supporting one another. So we'll talk all about that stuff. But first, man, let's dive into the nonsense, the BS uh, from, man, I guess these last couple weeks or so um, in a segment we call for the people in the back. Say it louder for the people in the back. All right, so there were a couple things that happened as of late um, that were, were big news stories when I was off. One of them was the Supreme Court knocking down Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, which I think none of us are, are really shocked about. Or I guess the majority of us kind of probably didn't think that that was going to go through. And obviously that has an effect on many people in our community who are not privileged enough to be able to uh, you know, pay for college on their own, or I guess a lot of people in general, right? So that's going to have a lot of implications on a lot of people in this country. And the other one was was also college related, but the Supreme Court struck down race as a factor in college admissions. And this ends decades of affirmative action programs um, where universities had to had to kind of use a certain criteria to select their incoming students. And this was all done with the notion of wanting to diversify um you know, colleges and, and uh, you know, trying to, to help sort of break the system that continues to oppress us. Now, you had uh, Chief Justice John Roberts. He wrote the ruling opinion on this, and he said that Harvard and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill Admissions Program violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Now, obviously, this is just a bunch of nonsense. I'm explaining to you why it is in a second, but I just want to kind of give you the facts. Um, now, affirmative action policies were broadly introduced in the 1960s, uh, ensuring equal opportunity and preventing discrimination based on sex as well as uh, race and, and religion. And this is going to have a tremendous effect on our community specifically and obviously communities of color in general. Uh, but I do want to read a, a, a number here that proves why this is such bullshit here. And I'm going to just do a quick Google search because it's very easy to find. Uh, we're going to Google the number of Harvard students who are legacy students right who are legacy students actually i'm gonna put the percentage right percentage of harvard students who are legacy and anybody who's not familiar legacy is like it means that you had a family member who went there right now according to the 2019 national bureau of economic research they found that 43 percent of students admitted to Harvard College were athletes, legacies, or members of the dean's or director's list of relations of donors or prominent figures or children of university employees, right? So it's obvious that favoritism is happening and that discrimination is actually happening here. And if they're saying it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to have people of a certain race be viewed a bit more closely or be encouraged to be admitted, 
then how does it not violate that same clause when you are prioritizing people who have some sort of attachment to former students, large donors, prominent figures, or children who are actually employees of the university itself? All of that is allowed. You're allowed to have that criteria. You're allowed to discriminate based upon that criteria, essentially. But when it comes to saying we want to diversify our student body, so therefore we are going to prioritize qualified, and I want to reiterate that qualified candidates of color, no, that's too far. All of this is is, is bullshit at the end of the day. And the fact that they didn't strike down or show any issue with, with these sort of admissions policies, it just begins to show you that. It is the continuous system that is trying to hold us back and keep the status quo as it's been. And the status quo as it's been are well-connected, rich people, many of whom who are white, are always going to get the favoritism. And they're going to continue on the, the circle of, of being empowered and well-connected individuals while the rest of us are just trying to claw for, for something better for ourselves. Right. It's 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 things like this that show you why we have the system. And the the reason why our community. For a big reason, I should say, is where it is, because when you have these people who are generationally favored over and over again. And are then able to create massive connections that help them in their college life their post-college life, their job, their finances. They have a leg up at the end of the day. And it just continues because of programs that, like Harvard has done, again, showing that 43% of the students admitted in 2019 had some sort of connection. That just perpetuates the system of a very particular group of people continually continuously getting the bigger opportunities or the helping hand while the rest of us are are struggling to figure it out. And the Supreme Court just continues to show its bias. And again, as I try to be more empathetic and I try to hear other sides of argument, there is a line there, right? I want to make that clear. Because I am trying to dive a bit deeper into the psyche as to why there is so much division in this country and and also recognizing that, you know, the 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 left, the Democrats, uh, you know, haven't gotten it all right. And we can't pretend like they actually really have shown that they give a shit about the everyday person. But with all of that said, there is one side in particular that is making it very clear the direction that they want to go and the type of people that they want to favor. And those type of people don't look like you or I and don't come from the same backgrounds as you or I. And until we address that problem, we can't really have too much of a conversation around both sides fucking up. Or I guess I have to set a boundary, if you will, and that'll be an interesting word for the conversation we have with Jonah Hill later. Of Jonah Hill, I should say. It's not on the show. But... The, the elephant in the room, I think, before we can really get to a place of, of having actual political 
conversations about what's best for for this country. The elephant in the room first is addressing the idea of elitism and racism and essentially the perpetuation of white supremacy in different forms. And that's what this type of shit is at the end of the day. Now, talking about how it specifically affects our community, it says the end of um, affirmative action. Again, this is thanks to wearemeetu.com. They have an article that says, the end of affirmative action will have a tremendous impact on Latino students, including decreased college enrollment. According to the U.S. Census study, one in four U.S. children is Latino. By 2030, Latinos will nearly be one-third of the nation's K-12 students. Consequently, this makes Latinos the country's largest racial and ethnic group. Affirmative action policies previously increased college diversity across the United States. Their removal could have detrimental effect on Latino students as it did before its implementation. Statistics show that in 1970, white students made up 91% of the student population at colleges, 91%. Meanwhile, in 2020, this number dropped to 50%, with black students accounting for 12% of college enrollments and Latinos at 20%. With the new ruling, Latino student enrollment will decrease. States that previously banned race-conscious admissions saw a sharp drop in Latino students. Additionally, polls show that nearly 68% of Latinos supported affirmative action programs. So, basically, it's going to be harder for Latinos to get admitted to these colleges because they're not going to be looked at as a priority anymore. And I want to make something very, 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 very clear. When you're having an argument with, you know, or a conversation, right? I hope it's a conversation with somebody who brings up how it's unfair for for white people or it's just unfair for anybody to be favored. And that people who aren't deserving are getting these opportunities. And this is the argument that happens a lot, be it college admissions or or jobs when it comes to diversity stuff. Um, Nobody is, is stating that less qualified people should get in. They're literally saying, if you have a kid of color and a kid who is white, both having the same credentials, you should favor the person of color because it helps diversify the student body at your college and also, generally speaking, the person of color probably doesn't have the same resources or connections as the white student we're talking about. And again, that's generally speaking. And that could even just be from a historical perspective, right? That white kid might be dirt poor as well, but historically speaking, that white kid will still be favored over the kids of color. And we're trying to reverse that. So again, nobody's saying less qualified people should be admitted just because they are a person of color. We are saying when you implement programs like this where you say you need to have X amount of percentage of your students um, be considered a person of color or you need to consider X amount of persons of color for a job position or, or for a college admission, all you're doing is helping put qualified people in front of the eyeballs that they need to be in front of who may not have had that opportunity without a program like this in place. And now without it, we already saw. Shit, we saw with it, with these programs in place, 43% of the 
uh, students admitted at Harvard were having some sort of connection um, to to previous legacies or or, or people in higher uh, positions at the college or or big donors, whatever it might be. That was with affirmative action. You're talking about close to half. And if you take out the athletes, I believe it's something like one third. So even with affirmative action, between one third and, and a half of the students, close to a half of the students, were getting some sort of privilege based upon their own connections or financial uh, you know, prowess that their parents had. And that was with affirmative action. What do you think is going to happen when you no longer have to follow these guidelines and make sure that you are considering people who have zero connections or may not have uh, the same you know, donor uh, deep pockets and things like that? All bets are off at that point, right? When you don't have to actually try and diversify the student body or the people that are affiliated with the college, it goes right back to the the old white boys club of of this little bubble that exists in these elite worlds, and the rest of us are kind of just fighting for the scraps. And that's why things like this are, are incredibly important to talk about, and it's a really really sad and and, and tragic day for our country and, and, and marginalized communities as a whole. Now, moving on to something that's been a bit controversial in our community, the term Latinx, right? Uh, I'm sure you've gotten into arguments with your Theo or Theos or your parents about the term Latinx. Maybe you have a fucking problem with the term Latinx. I don't know. I never, it never bothered me. And, and now, since it did not catch on, people are, are trying to figure out a way because the, the, the idea behind it, the spirit behind it was was well intentioned, right? It's the idea of of you know having inclusivity and not making it a a, a gender binary term, right? Because Latino is generally speaking the kind of all-encompassing word we use to describe um, the Latin American community. And we were trying to find a way to be a bit gender neutral and, and inclusive, right? So now in Connecticut, you have the Democratic governor, Ned Lamont, signing a new bill introducing Latin as a new legal term for citizens of Latin American descent. Now, the new law states, quote, on every official communication or form of a state agency relevant to the Latin American community or communication by a state employee on behalf of a state agency relevant to such community, such communication or form shall use the terms Latino, Latina, and Latin to refer to such community. Now, Latin emerges as a gender-neutral alternative to the controversial Latinx that gained prominence on college campuses and in academic spaces. Although intended to be inclusive, the term was often considered exclusionary and pretentious due to its distance from the traditional structure of Spanish and its complex pronunciation, right? So people were pissed off because, you know, like, I guess phonetically, with the Spanish language, just the word Latinx just didn't make any damn sense. So that was a lot of people's argument. So you had five Hispanic Democratic lawmakers from Connecticut initially challenging the word Latinx last February, and they were seeking a term that better represented their non-binary and transgender constituents. Their appeal sparked a debate leading to the Latin proposal and their legislation. Lawmakers then found a linguistic alternative in the rich history of the Spanish language itself, right? And that is Latin. That is the word that, that they're adapting here in Connecticut, replacing Latin X. 
sure. Quite frankly, I don't give a damn. Latinx never bothered me. I also, you know, admittedly, as, as we all, all know, my Spanish is trash. So I don't have a deeper understanding of the Spanish language um, in a way that it would offend me to, to have Latinx be used. Either way, the idea is just to be a bit more inclusionary. And that's something our community has struggled with. So I'm happy to see that we haven't just given up on that idea in general. And now we've, uh, you know, introduced the word Latin. Well, which will hopefully, you know, uh, piss less people off and make more people adapt it. We'll we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll do. I should have done that for Ask a Gringo. Um, maybe we'll do it. We'll do like a follow up where I'll, I'll have a follow up poll and I'll, I'll share that uh, at DJ Travels at Instagram. Now, I want to get to one more thing, uh, but I'm thinking now's a good time to we'll pause. We'll take a quick break, uh, get some water, and then we will be right back. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tuda Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tuda shows wherever you get your podcasts. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and last thing I want to tackle in our uh, For the People in the Back segment is this whole controversy surrounding Jonah Hill. Now, I think it sparks an interesting conversation that is much needed around the idea of misogyny and toxic masculinity and also the weaponization of of. Man, like therapy terms or or 
I, I think it's the idea that a lot of people who have done the work on themselves have like, you know, this toolkit of terminology or words they can use to justify bad behavior. And, and maybe they use it as a means to kind of uh, have a leg up on people who aren't as, you know, I don't know, well-informed in the world of wellness therapy and, and haven't maybe gotten a chance to do the work on themselves and kind of use it as a way to gaslight other people, right? And, and this will all kind of make sense in a second as I read this. So Jonah Hill, the actor, we all know him from like super bad. Uh, he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Famous dude, right? So there are screenshots posted on his ex-girlfriend's uh, Instagram stories. Her name is Sarah Brady. And she shared conversations, which first, I, when I first uh, kind of heard about this, before reading it, a part of me was rubbed the wrong way. Like, the idea that personal text messages are being screenshotted and then shared on the internet just, like, skeeves me the fuck out. And I just think that's an, a complete invasion of privacy. And also trust. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, and I'm just prefacing this, because I, I, I think it's a two-way conversation. But like dating somebody and giving yourself to them requires a lot of trust. And even if it ends, even if it's not, you know, what it was supposed to be, even if it ends on bad terms, I think there still has to be a respect for the fact that at a particular point in time, you guys were in a trusting relationship and there were certain things that were shared or moments or, or conversations that should be kept between the two of you or at least not be publicly broadcasted on the internet, right? Um, or, or at least, like, personal, right? Like, you know, things that are, like, text messages back and forth. Like, can you imagine if your personal text messages you had with the person you're dating, your spouse, were just thrown up on the internet for everybody to see? It just, it, it, it wouldn't feel right. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's, like, kind of like somebody just, like, invading your, your privacy of your home type of thing. Now, with that said, as much as that part bothers me, I do think this is an incredibly important conversation to have. And while maybe she should have checked him behind closed doors, it's probably a teachable moment for someone like Jonah Hill. And again, I don't think it's up to us to, I don't think it, it needs to play out on the world stage. I think she could have done this in a better way. But now that it's here, it does bring up a lot of really interesting conversations. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed. So as I was saying, his ex, shared conversations uh, that they had with him that she screenshotted uh, where he was like pressuring her and she's a semi-professional surfer to remove bikini pictures from her social media. And he told her that if she surfed with men or had anything besides re respectful coffee and lunches with female friends that he felt were appropriate, he wasn't the right partner for her. He referred to this as setting boundaries. So basically saying like, when she hung with her friends, it had to be in a certain context and it had to be friends that he approved of, uh, that she, uh, you know, had to be appropriate. If she was surfing with men, there were certain like it, it was just like a weird kind of like obviously very insecure human being and controlling human being based upon his own insecurities and then justified his insecurities on like the words he heard in therapy of like, oh, this is just me setting boundaries. Right. And the irony of, of her being a surfer who obviously you do that in a bathing suit, that he would be upset about her posting those pictures on the internet is is and then trying to control it and police it. It's just crazy. Like literally the one picture like on the screenshot that he showed was her on a surfboard. 
and he's like critiquing her like you have to have this picture out there like you're almost wearing a thong and and listen i understand like as men we understand how creepy other men are but at the end of the day it's not my right or my job or any of the above to control how anybody else expresses themselves regardless if they're the person that I'm dating. At the same time, this is to the extreme where it's not like she's even like trying to post like sexually suggestive pictures of her in her bikini. It's literally her fucking surfing. And I I think it, it it's interesting to see then the back and forth conversation happening of like other men coming to his defense based upon what he's saying. Right. And the the conversation of of like well yeah I don't want my girl putting herself out there like that for other men to see and the irony of of it is before they started dating she has DM screenshots of him like sending hard eyes of pictures of her in a bikini and talking about how great she looks right so you can't have it both ways right and I think it also speaks to if this person was doing this prior to you even getting in a relationship with them, and what I'm speaking of doing is just her living her life, right? I'm not shaming her at all. But this was a part of her living her life. And you knew that. And you still got into a relationship with her. That's on you. You are, are now trying to become possessive and controlling this human being and changing them from doing things that they were already doing prior to you meeting them or prior to you dating them, right? Like this is a, we're, we're going to get into, I guess, a, a couple different versions because it's a multi like kind of nuanced conversation. But A, you have to meet people where they are. And if you can't love them for where they are and who they are and, and, and what they do right now, then it's not the right person for you. You can't go into it with the intention of, oh, they have so much potential, uh, you know, when, once we get together, I can kind of change these little things and then it'll be perfect. That's that's just not fair to them and not fair to yourself, right? I mean, shit, this guy is is giving himself fucking anxiety over, um, you know, what his girlfriend is doing and, and her social media presence when he knew what he was getting into. And then two, it speaks to the idea that as men, it's become a bit normalized that like women are our possession. And that speaks to the conversation of toxic masculinity. And listen, I'm not, I'm not above some of the insecurities that may come up. And I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't look at certain women's Instagram and the type of pictures or content they put up and say to myself, that's not somebody that I would want to date. And I think that's okay to have that line. I think that that's a boundary you're you're more than in your right to set. The problem becomes when you're trying to control that person, right? When you think that you have governance over their life. Now, you have authority to say, this is what I will or won't interact with or what I will or won't do in regards to, to some other person, right? So I'm saying I'm not, I wouldn't want to date that person. So I've made that choice for myself. But 
I don't think that that I have a right to shame them or to um, to to tell them what to do. No, they get to live their own life, and and I hope they're happy doing so. I'm I'm just saying this doesn't work for me. And what what he's trying to do is like convolute that a little bit and say like, oh yeah, you're not the right person for me if you're doing these things, while while basically shaming this person for doing the very thing that he he knew that they were uh that was a part of their life prior to getting in the relationship right and on top of that telling this person how they can live their life and 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 trying to control the way that they hang out with their like that type of shit like that's like some some next level type of shit right like telling a woman who, what friends she could hang out with and where she could hang out with them or, uh, you know, like, like that, that's just obvious controlling behavior and you are insecure and you think that if your girlfriend is somehow like out at a bar, she's not going to be able to control herself and she's going to cheat on you. That's, that's really what we're getting at with that type of conversation. And again, that's his own insecurities and his own bullshit. And to shame her for that and make it seem as if she's doing something wrong because i think that's that's sort of what i'm getting at here he could say to her i think i'm just incredibly insecure and i can't handle having anybody else see you in a bikini and i can't handle you going out with friends because i'm just too insecure so because of me, I need to walk away from this relationship because I'm not secure enough yet. I'm not at a point, I'm not at a point in my life where I can handle a relationship, essentially. But rather than doing that, he made it seem like she was doing wild off-the-wall shit and shaming her as if she she was the one who had a problem. Right? And that's where 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 the distinction and and like the misogyny comes into play here, right? Because it's really his own insecurity reflected. And then rather than acknowledging that and acknowledging that he's the problem, he'd rather just kind of bully her into doing what he wants so that she can fit into, you know, what his small ego can handle. And, And what ends up happening oftentimes in relationships is we will dumb ourselves down in those situations. We will make ourselves small just to avoid a fight or just to make this other person happy um, or because they've manipulated the situation, we think we might actually be doing something wrong. And again, making ourselves small just to make this other person comfortable. And that's incredibly toxic. And on his end, it's incredibly manipulative. And it's a conversation that I think is important on either side for men who are insecure realizing that you're the problem, not the woman. And and I'm using men or women. Obviously, you could interchange. It could be a woman that's doing that to a man. I mean, that's that's happened in many cases as well. Or if your your partner is is, you know, having such big issues with things, it doesn't mean that you then make yourself smaller and sacrifice your own happiness and quality of life just to avoid an argument or just to stroke your ego. Like it's not healthy in that direction either. I think there's just a lot of like toxic relationship norms that we've normalized like last thing i'll say i, I was like 
some somebody that I know in real life, I was looking at their their story and they they posted a meme like, and it was like, um, if I'm dating a man and I ask him to unfollow uh, the girls he's following, he better he better say yes. And then she was like, cosigned like 100. You know what I mean? Like whatever. That's so fucking ridiculous and toxic. Like, if this dude is trying to sleep with them and 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 being inappropriate. Sure, I can see you have an issue, an issue with that. You probably shouldn't be in a relationship with him. But simply just not going through the, the process of unfollowing people that he's been following for years or whatever it is, you know, like that's on you. That's your own insecurity at the end of the day. Then you're trying to control and police his life to fit into your insecurities rather than you actually just working on your insecurities. And that's toxic. That's toxic behavior and like so common in relationships in general, right? Um, anyway, that's, that's just an interesting conversation, I think, to kind of throw out there and, and, and bring some, some light to, because there's just so many fucking toxic norms in general that we've normalized and we need to heal from if we want to have like real, actual, happy relationships, right? So food for thought there. Now, with that said, I want to get some positivity, some positive, uh, stories here, or one positive story, I should say. Uh, so we'll do that for our gente segment all right so the the beauty of what's going on right now in like this latin movement and, and listen we're seeing this in like the populations like what I, what was that that article i was saying the percentage where it was like by by 2030 or something like uh we as a a latin population we're gonna be um well, shit, it's saying it, yeah, but we'll be nearly one-third of the nation's K-12 through students uh, making Latinos the country's largest racial and ethnic group. So we're out, we're out here in numbers, obviously, and our music and our culture is just having an incredible moment and is becoming normalized, and we're seeing the power that it has, and the entire world now has no choice but to see it. And... You love having these moments because it continues to knock down the doors for everybody else, right? So you had Carol G. Uh, she was performing on the Today Show. They do like their concert series. And what was beautiful, aside from her being on there, killing it, great performance, looking amazing, you know, speaking uh, really well as far as just entertaining and, and being charismatic, the, the attendance record, they're saying, was actually shattered by her. She had 15,000 people show up and production reported it as, quote, the largest crowd we have ever had. And just for context, like, I'm going to Google, Google here while I'm, I'm, I'm recording here the show, previous Today Show performers, right? And let's just, like, get a, a, a list here. Of, of some of the people who have performed um, as far as like the concert series goes, right? Uh, concert series. So it just gave me like the previous hosts, right? So let, let's let's look at, at some of the previous ones that you've had here. So you have, you have people like Casey Musgraves, who's a gigantic country artist, Five Seconds of Summer, Shawn Mendes, uh, Pitbull, Rihanna, uh, One Republic, Kings of Leon, uh, Black Eyed Peas. Uh, so, so obviously, gigantic artists. We're talking about like generational artists here, especially when you talk about somebody like Rihanna, um, you know, and and Pitbull, obviously, Black Eyed Peas, and, and and all that goes right. 
And the idea, Jonas Brothers, another gigantic band, right? These are the stadium artists, Harry Styles, stadium artists. With all that said, you had Carol G, who makes music in Spanish, bring out the largest audience that today's show has ever seen, 15,000 people. And again, it speaks to, A, how like underrated we are, right? Or how underrated our culture, our community is that people aren't even, are still like underestimating us, I should say. But B, it speaks to the power that we have. And I think for me, what I love about this sort of conversation, what it brings up, it begins to show that we're actually beginning to be bigger than the institutions themselves, right? So what happens when artists like Carol G or Bad Bunny become bigger than the actual institutions? That creates leverage at the end of the day, right? So Bad Bunny is bigger than the Today Show or any like, the, the, what I'm trying to get at is what happens is then when the Today Show or insert any other institution, when they want to do something or they want to bring out people, they need something. Now they have to look to someone like a Bad Bunny or in this case, a Carol G. And it changes the dynamic where it's no longer like the Today Show is doing a favor for Carol G. So now she has to uh, you know, or Bad Bunny, and they have to bend over backwards to make the Today Show happy. It now means that all the power, for the most part, lies in the hands of a Carol G or a Bad Bunny, and the institutions and the powers that be, they now have to bend over backwards to make sure the artist is happy. And that puts the power in our hands. And I hope I'm, I'm kind of making sense of, of, of that, I'm making it make sense for you. At the end of the day, it's leverage and it's power. And that's been the problem with the institutions, be it corporations, be it Hollywood, be it the music industry, whatever it might be. They knew they held the power. They knew that we, the everyday person, needed them. Therefore, they could take advantage of us for everything that we have. Or they could ignore us like we've seen in Hollywood. But now, when you become so big and we have a community that is so vibrant and supporting one another in such a way like this, the institutions now understand that they can't turn a blind eye to this, that they have to get on board or they no longer will exist, that they need us more than we need them. And again, that's where the fucking power comes from. That's where the leverage comes from. And that's where we get to have our voices heard. And that's why we get to have our voices heard in the way that we deem to be respectful and important for our community. And that's the direction that we're going. And that's what I love so much. It's, it's trying to create that leverage and that power so that you are the one in the driver's seat and you can control how our stories are told, where, when. Like, that's what's important. And that's what's been missing. And that's why things like this just get me so fucking excited. Whew, okay. Love it, love it, love it. Shout out to Carol G. Absolutely killing it. Having incredible, like, she's just having an incredible kind of year or two year run right now, which is amazing to see coming to her own. Anyway, so 
that's uh that's the positive stuff for today's show. Now let's tie everything we talked about today in a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. But first, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Time for conclusions. Mm. All right, so we, we kind of like covered a lot of different, some might say random shit today on, on the show, but I, I tried to kind of catch up on, on what's been going on the last couple of weeks and shit. Everything's been going on with the Supreme Court is really disheartening. You know, striking down the student loan forgiveness plan, uh, striking down affirmative action programs at universities, like, it's showing the agenda of the current Supreme Court, the majority at least right now, of, of really trying to bring this country backwards and and who they're favoring, the elites, you know, the, the, you know, the notion of white supremacy, all of which, you know, is, is sprinkled in the, the undertones of everything that's happening right now. 
And it's disheartening because the Supreme Court is supposed to kind of be like this non-biased, end-all, be-all savior for us when, when you know, things can't get figured out by the uh, normal processes. And the fact that it's not that anymore, it does leave me feeling a bit uneasy about, you know, where we are as a country. And this whole argument of affirmative action, thing, like it, the effect, I mean, just from kind of what you're seeing with those statistics of previous and then kind of the, uh, the ones that they're projecting, you'd hate to see us go backwards as a community and communities of color in general with the great progress that we have made in educating ourselves and entering into you know the corporate world and 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 and, and creating lives for ourselves and, and really trying to dig ourselves out of the uh, rut that has been created by a system designed to oppress us and it's horrible to kind of see it's like when we make some progress boom we're just pulled back in and, and we just have to continue fighting and, and supporting one another and, and pushing back against these things um, in, in whatever way we can now, speaking of uh, you know the the community as a whole, Latinx is out, Latin is in. Awesome, whatever. I don't I don't care. Hopefully this is this is like less offensive for anybody who uh, really seems to have some sort of personal issue with the word Latinx. At the end of the day, the point is to be more inclusive um, and and give a, a general uh, or a gender neutral option those who don't identify um, as, as male or female and if we're still trying to make that happen and make people feel comfortable regardless of the word I think we're moving in the right direction so Latin I'm on board and then uh, this whole Jonah Hill thing and, and I think just the conversation of misogyny the conversation of toxic masculinity and also to think just toxic relationships in general you know don't think that you have the right to control anybody's life at the end of the day especially based upon your own insecurities you are the problem not that person and if you can't handle the way that person lives their life it's not up to you to control nobody should be controlling you you shouldn't be making yourself smaller for anybody else just to make them comfortable that person has a problem they need to go figure that out over there and the idea that this is just a part of a you know a man uh, you know, and, and how he, he wants his woman to act like, and that's normal. Like, no, that's not okay. And any of you men who are defending it need to look in the mirror and, and, and understand what you are defending. And if you think about it from the perspective of if you had a daughter, would you want her happiness and just life in general to be controlled by another human being? Would you want them to make themselves small and suppress their own happiness for the sake of some other person, some man? Chances are no. So why would it be okay for you to do the same thing for your spouse, your girlfriend? Why would you defend somebody doing that to anybody else? So, and and, and listen, like the, the bigger story, the bigger uh, notion is we all need fucking help and we just need to get that help and we need to be honest with ourselves and when we're being toxic and we need to, uh, you know, we, we need to then just have that conversation with ourselves. Like I need to get help on this because I'm a, the part of the problem. Right. And then, man, big shout out to Carol G on a positive side of things, breaking the attendance record at the Today Show, 15,000 people. And again, it speaks to our power as a fucking community. It speaks to the idea that we have arrived, that we 
need to start making demands uh, as the powerhouse that we actually are. And the leverage is in our favor, at least it's moving in our favor. And the institutions are going to have to start allowing us to tell stories the way we want to. And when that happens, we need to continue to support one another uh, and, and, and show out in record numbers like these people did for Kauji. So just beautiful, beautiful stuff, man. You got to love to see some progress like this because that's what it is. And uh, man, that's it for our Thursday Trends episode. Uh, again, the Just Be Social Club. I keep forgetting to start the show with that. But the Mastermind Group, we've done a lot. Like It's going to be a year-long program. I'm so damn excited about it. We're launching another one in just a couple weeks. It's, uh, I think you have like a week left to sign up for it if you want to. It's literally just like meeting up monthly, coaching, mentoring. Uh, we're going to put you in front of different experts to help you guide your life. And you can ask personal questions. Like It's all about personal growth. If you are on a growth journey and you want to change your life for the better, or you want to dial in on the best version of you, or you just want to find that community that you've always been searching for, like this is your place, the Just Be Social Club. It's designed for, for people that look like you and I. You know? um, so you can DM me at DJ Dramas. You can DM me at DJ Dramas on Instagram if you want to be a part of that. I'll, uh, I'll shoot you the info or email Brenda at mindofayounglord.com. And uh, man, that's it. Have a great weekend. I'll catch you on Tuesday with a brand new episode. I had to go rest my voice. I'm feeling a little, a little hoarse if you haven't noticed. So I'm going to go do that for the weekend. And uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Until then, stay safe. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, Honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. So my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.